Father, you are so good and gracious, and you know every last thing about every last one of us here in this room. You know our whole histories. You know everything that's been going on even today before we came, and you know what's going to go on the rest of this afternoon and the rest of our lives. We trust you because of it. Because you're our good, powerful, loving, caring God. Would you care for us today? Would you care for us with your word? We need you to care for us, Lord. Move in ways to help us with truths from your word. We say this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God values your life. And as your pastor, I also value your life. Now, we spent the month of July considering the dignity and sanctity of human life in the womb. But you see, human dignity and value from a biblical worldview extends to each of our entire lives outside of the womb as well. God values you. And it's a big deal to God. And therefore, so important to me as well as your pastor and should be important to all of us here when lives are devastated and hurt because of tragedy. And we've experienced that. Maybe you have experienced that. Maybe you are experiencing that right now. I know what's going on. God knows what's going on. He knows what's going on when there's deep and dark depression or anxiety and even despair itself. When life doesn't seem possible to even live anymore. He knows what's going on. And God values you. The Bible has a lot to say about our experiences in a fallen world that we live in. And for those of us, all of us here who also live in that fallen world ourselves, we know it, we see it, we go through it, we experience it ourselves. We know what it's like to be in a fallen world. If we were still in the Garden of Eden and there had been no fall and no consequences of sin, we would not be going through the horrific experiences and issues of life. We would not be going through sickness, inner turmoil and hardships, and death. Those things just don't happen in the garden, in perfection and in an idealized, flourishing environment. They don't happen. But we are not in that environment, are we? At least not yet. But there's hope for the Christian for a future day when sin will be no longer, it will no longer plague us, and the effects of the fall will no longer haunt us. Praise God for that. But for now, right now, we experience 
both the physical and inner problems in a fallen world, don't we? People get sick. Maybe you're sick. People get hurt in a variety of ways. Maybe you're hurting. People die. People struggle. And people even become downcast, downhearted, and even downright just discouraged, don't they? And downcast is a biblical word that describes many in our day, and it's the title of our month-long series that we're going to be looking at in August. We will be dealing with these hardships, starting today with this topic of depression, as you see on the screen. For the psalmist says in Psalm 42, 5a, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? This passage right here is the foundational theme of Martin Lloyd-Jones' sermon series, in which was later turned into a book titled Spiritual Depression. The former medical doctor turned preacher addressed what he deemed as a common-to-man problem of depression that people face. Even many Christians. Lloyd-Jones concludes that. He says, it's interesting to notice the frequency with which this particular theme is dealt with in the scriptures. And the only conclusion to be drawn from this is that it is a very common condition. So then if it's common in the Bible, just read the Psalms, read the, the historical narratives throughout the scriptures. You see the common theme of depression and downcast and downhearted. If it's common in the Bible, as we'll see going forward, and it was common in Martin Lloyd-Jones's day, I'd say it's only ramped up and become increasingly prevalent in our day as well. With new technologies and social media putting our lives on display like never before This is an issue for our day as well. I've read statistics that put the numbers of the clinically depressed Americans anywhere from between 5 to 10%. So potentially one out of every 10 people in the U.S. alone are bearing an extremely heavy internal burden of depression. Then there are numbers of of 25% total for those who have experienced severe depression at some point in their lives, even if it's not a recurring theme for them right now or or regularly in their lives, but, but that they've experienced it at some point in the past or will experience it in the future. And so that dynamic of really deep and dark and hurting moments internally brings us to one in four who will experience bouts of depression of some time of kind in their lifetimes. Not to mention all those who know and love and care for those hurting people in their lives. But what exactly is depression? Is it just sadness? Well, no, because everyone experiences sadness to one degree or Another. That is a common shared human experience that all people in a fallen world experience, right? We've all felt sadness, and even very intense sadness. 
But the Bible describes what we're getting at here in, in this way using words like downcast, brokenhearted, afflicted, and even hopeless. And the Bible, like I said before, describes many people who were depressed, even to the point of despair, as we'll see in future sermons. And the Diagnostic Statistic Manual for Mental Disorders, or the DSM-5, puts it like this. This is a good, helpful uh, definition for us. It says, depression, otherwise known as a major depressive disorder or clinical depression, is common is a common and serious mood disorder. Those who suffer from depression experience persistent feelings of sadness and hopelessness and lose interest in activities they once enjoyed. Aside from the emotional problems caused by depression, individuals can also present with physical symptoms such as chronic pain or digestive issues. To be diagnosed with depression, symptoms must present for at least two weeks. And then the DSM goes on and lists pervasive inner symptoms associated with debilitating internal struggles that people face. Almost a quarter of Americans will face this at some point in their lives. It's a lot. One of the hurting people and downcast people all around us, maybe even you yourself. And then even the potential for any of us here who may have never been hurting in this way, to become in the future depressed in this way because of your own lives, unknown future, and circumstances in the fallen world we live in. As Christians, and as a church, we better have a well-thought-out plan and approach to provide help for this very serious problem. Both for ourselves and for Others that are hurting around us. And if the church is not providing this help, I ask, what is it then that we're doing? What are we doing if not? And this leads us to our first point for us to see that we need to have a number one compassionate understanding. Look with me at 2 Corinthians in verse 1, or chapter 1 in verses 3 and 4. It says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Christ Jesus, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. You see, This passage clearly teaches that Christians are those who find comfort from God and also seek to provide comfort to other hurting, afflicted, and downcast people. If we're not doing that as Christians, and if we're not doing that as a church, again, I ask us, what are we doing? And if you happen to be here and fall outside of that 10 to 25% who are right now experiencing clinical depression or who have experienced it in the past, I want to challenge you to step outside of your own personal knowledge and experience and learn a little bit to sympathize with others who are going through severe hardships and inner anguish, even if you don't go through that yourself. I realize, based on the numbers, the majority don't experience that themselves 
A lot do, but the majority don't. So for the majority that doesn't, would you just pay attention and listen and think and care and be here to want to learn and to know the problems that other people do face? And just because you haven't had these symptoms yourself, it just doesn't mean that other people haven't. And remember, you are not them. They are them. They're different than you. Remember, they are suffering. Too much is at stake to turn a blind eye to them, to ignore them, to be careless to them. I mentioned to you symptoms uh, in the DSM, the symptoms of depression, and I'm going to list them now for you just to give more awareness if you're not uh, already caught up on these things. Here they are, and I know that this isn't the Bible, but you see, even secular sources do a good time sometimes describing symptoms that have been observable through many, even for centuries. Symptoms, as some of these you'll read, are even specifically described also in the Bible, which we're going to be continuing to see through our series. But I'm just going to go through just these eight of them quickly so you can see them. Um, number one, in, the, in terms of symptoms in the DSM, uh, a depressed mood most of the day, nearly every day. Two, markedly diminished interests or pleasure in all or almost all activities most of the day, nearly every day. Number three, significant weight loss when not dieting or weight gain or decrease of or, or increase in appetite nearly every day. Four, a slowing down of thought and reduction of physical movement. This is even observable by others, not, not, not merely subjective feelings of restlessness or being slowed down, but an actual slowing down that is... is is observable. Or number five, fatigue or loss of energy nearly every day. Six, feelings of worthlessness or excessive or inappropriate guilt nearly every day. And then eight, even recurrent thoughts of death, recurrent suicidal ideation without a specific plan would fall into this category, or also those who have had a suicide attempt, or also those who plan to commit Suicide. These would all fit into specific symptoms that the DSM points out. And if, if people have, have some of these symptoms for up to two weeks in terms of that pervasive nature, then uh, they, they would be uh, described as someone who is clinically de- depressed. We saw that this is a, a big issue in our day. A lot of people go through this. Well, maybe you haven't, but a lot of people do. And just because you might be fine here, let's just say you're fine. You're thinking, I'm fine. It doesn't make others who are not fine somehow lesser than you. And if you don't struggle with deep depression like this, praise God for that. But be compassionate to others. Not because they're weak or foolish or soft or worse than you. No, these are real problems that they're facing. Care for them, know them, understand them. And remember this, church. Your awareness and compassion can and does actually help depressed people. And on the flip side, though, your judgmentalism and careless words and trite solutions can and will hurt depressed people as well. Don't be that guy or gal saying... 
unhelpful and unsensitive things to hurting and suffering people. Don't do it. Please don't do it. Be warned about this. In David Murray's helpful book titled, Christians Get Depressed Too, he gives us a list of things not to say to someone who's struggling, suffering with depression. This is a list not to say to depressed people. He says, don't say, pull yourself together. Or, but you've got nothing to be sad about. Or, oh, you'll, you'll soon get over it. Or even, it's a sin for you to be depressed. Or just believe the promises. Smile. It can't be that bad. Don't say these things. Or, well, things could be worse. Or, at least it's nothing serious. Or, you should just confess your sins. Or lastly, you're not still on your medications, are you? Don't say these things to hurting people. Don't do it. These are careless things and insensitive things that you're saying to real people with hurting hearts. They're going through these things, even if you're not. Have some heart. Have some compassion. Put yourself in their shoes for a minute. Remember, they are different than you with different backgrounds and situations and personalities and problems. If someone tells you that they're really hurting and showing signs of being really hurt, believe them that they're suffering and seek to understand and love them. Don't add insult to injury like these examples. Open up your eyes and hearts. People are hurting. You might not be hurting, but they are, as Lloyd-Jones puts it. There is nothing more futile when dealing with this condition than to act on the assumption that all Christians are identical in every respect. But you might be like, well, what in the world is wrong with them then? What's the issue? And you may have impatiently gotten frustrated even with them yourselves. And if that's you, I want you to look in the mirror and be honest about that now. Be honest about it. If it's you thinking or even saying, just rub some dirt on it and move on already. If that's you, this leads us now to our next point to see why So many people are in this dark and internal place of suffering to begin with to hopefully open up your eyes to those who are hurting and suffering around you. And number two, the complex causes of depression. Again, let's look at Psalm 42 and now all of verse 5. It says this, the psalmist says this, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation. Here we have the psalmist kind of going back and forth with himself. Why are you so depressed? And then answering, hope in God. And as Martin Lloyd-Jones famously said uh, in his book, Spiritual Depression, I say that we must talk to ourselves instead of allowing ourselves to talk to us. But this whole thing and mess and struggle only makes sense, you see, in a fallen world with brokenness and consequences of the fall. I hope you can see that. Because as I mentioned before, there are no problems like this if there is no fall. But we live in a fallen world 
with fallen bodies and fallen inner selves, don't we? Because the Bible describes us as both physical and immaterial beings living in a fallen world, we should expect causes to include both physical on the one hand, right, and also inner or spiritual realities or soulish causes on the other. Uh, that's, that's where we're at, as Paul Touch has put it. The scriptures affirm that hum, the human body and spirit impact one another. We are, by God's design, embodied spirits. And just to be clear, this duality of body and spirit can also be referred to body and soul, as both soul and spirit are synonymous when referring to the inner man or woman in scripture, kind of revealing to us as humans, uh, both physical and uh, spiritual. But here's what's so complex about the topic of depression. It involves the human inner person or heart, as the Bible calls it, and the heart is so intricate, and no two people are exactly alike. And just as the fall influenced our physical bodies as we were born, wasting away, and will one day even die if the Lord doesn't happen to return before our final breaths, our inner man or woman or our thoughts and minds and hearts are also uniquely affected by the fall as well. And there's a lot going on in each of our lives as we look back at our entire histories also. Look, I don't live your life. I haven't. And you don't live mine. And I don't have your body and you don't have mine. You may get diseases and sicknesses that I might not get and vice versa. I may have struggles that you might not have. You see, we're all different. So each of us has a lot going on, which is why it's to no surprise at all that the psalmist would be asking this very puzzling question of himself, why am I so downcast, O my soul? Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever wondered what's going on inside? The psalmist did too. So while we can try to put our finger here on causes, I hope you realize how difficult it really is. It's difficult to pinpoint exactly what's going on in many cases of depression. So this should humble us. Not make us think like we got it all figured out. Oh, well, I read this article and it said this, so you must have this problem. Or, uh, you know, well, you know, I experienced this, so this is the solution. Or, uh, well, you know, some pastor told me that this is exactly the the, the quick fix and just do this and it's going to be good. Uh, But don't take it simplistic. This is humbling to us how complex things are. And let's just be honest, we don't know it all, do we? To make matters worse, Most Christians immediately assume, like Job's friends, as as one author pointed out, that all causes of depression are directly tied to the depressed person's sin, whether specifically their sinful actions or the sinful neglect of properly worshiping God because of idolatry. And and that is just kind of deduced. Well, you must, it must be something wrong with, you must be doing something wrong sinful. And and we do see examples in Scripture and in the history of our own lives, if we're honest, 
where our own personal sin has and does lead to bad feelings and even depressions. Either the sins that we have committed leading to these bad feelings or our responses to tough situations that just compound it and and lead to depression. I mean, this is a reality. I mean, there's consequences of our sinful actions. We see even in King David's example, for instance, he was wasting away after his grievous sin and he described his situation as his bones were being crushed and he was groaning over his sin. So our personal sin can... Be the cause of these things. And if you're living uh, an unrepentant, sinful lifestyle and secret sin and things of that nature, maybe consider about how your actions might be affecting your feeling and causing deep and dark depression. I don't want to ignore that aspect. But we can't stop there, as some people do. We must also add, in terms of another cause... The reality in a fallen world of other people's sins against us. Think of the tragic situation where people are abused, for instance. That's terrible what people go through in a fallen world. The most heinous abuse being the abuse of adults towards children. Do you think that other people's wicked sinful acts of various kinds of abuse towards others, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, or even sexual abuse, do you think that might cause a massive damage internally to people who were abused? You think? I mean, you better believe that it will, which is why it's so serious, which is why for those of you who have gone to our child safety training the last few years, those of you who work with kids, you'll know that your pastors believe in the millstone principle of Matthew 18. Where Jesus said it would be better for a person to have a millstone tied around his neck and thrown overboard to be drowned in the bottom of the sea than for one of these little ones to be hurt and caused to to be drawn into sin. That's Jesus' view. We we, we agree with Jesus' view on that principle here because it's so serious, because it's so unacceptable, because it's so harming, because it hurts people to their very core. Maybe you've been hurt to your very core in this way. Jesus takes it serious. Your pastors take it serious. And I want you to see the connection and cause that that could lead towards the depression and suffering, inner suffering that you face as well. It's devastating how people who are human image bearers of God can be damaged at their core when they're abused. And certainly, it's such a huge connector and it is tied to the causes of depression. And we're going to see even despair as we'll see in a future sermon. This is just so sad. Unthinkable. Terrible. And I can go on and on listing other causes of depression as I haven't even mentioned how the fall affects our bodies and how we can have certain problems both mentally and physically because of the fall, which is why it's so important for doctors and even psychiatrists to be involved to care for the depressed, for depressed people because there are a whole host of physical issues and causes that can be investigated and should be an address between the physician and his or her patient. We just need to be humble and realize that there is a lot that can be going on 
And we need to be willing to get others involved to help people in the multifaceted issues of depression. As I mentioned before, none of us are alike. We all each have our own personal makeup and personalities and and bodily challenges that we have faced in the past or might even face in the future, even if we haven't faced it yet. And I haven't even mentioned in terms of causes the very real pervasive life circumstances and pressures that pull us and drag us in different ways that we can go through. Sometimes these pressures and trials affect us during certain seasons, other times they affect us to our core for the rest of our lives with heartbreaking emotional trauma due to loss and life circumstances in a fallen world. Now, I know many of you who have gone through unthinkable, difficult, heart-wrenching suffering in your very lives, experiences that would literally leave each and every one of us here uh, to utter struggle and dark depression. 100% of us, if we had gone through, and if we ever go through some of these very, very hard things, uh, which we don't know what might be ahead for all of our lives. We need to have understanding and compassion. We just don't know what life will bring. And I don't care who you are, each of us would be thrust into a deep and dark experience of depression because of the many curveballs in life, or even better, cannonballs that come our way. And I'm sensitive to that. Which is why I don't want us to be callous to hurting people. For us to give trite generalities that make hurting people feel that they're all alone. Which is what happens when people say these thoughtless things. And and while there's just so much more to say on this complex issue of the causes of depression, even the fact that the causes are sometimes and oftentimes unknown or even unperceived to the struggle, they they don't even know what's going on. Like the psalmist said, why are you downcast? He doesn't know. Why is the question? There's more to be said here, but we must move on to our third point. And number three, to consider your own inner soul health today. Psalm 63 and verse 1 says this, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water, so I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. For the Christian, we find our deepest and most happiness in terms of our lives in the fulfillment, of course, in God, not other things. But I want you to hear this. When Christians find themselves in deep inner turmoil and depression, it's hard for them to presently kind of worship and enjoy God in in that state or, or really to enjoy anything else in the midst of the terrible symptoms of depression. I want to give awareness to all of us about this. David Murray in the book I mentioned before and then Zach Eswine in his excellent book titled Spurgeon's Sorrows, they both helpfully point out to the very obvious reality that when someone is severely sick, for instance, with the flu... 
They are not trotting around church in a happy-go-lucky way, ready to engage in heartfelt worship, but they are sick and hurting and needing to heal. They can barely think in that situation, right? You've been there. In the same way, when someone is depressed because of their sin or the sin of others against them, as we saw, or their physical bodily deteriorating health, or the bad thought patterns that they are inhabiting, or the excruciating tragedies that drop into their lives like an unexpected death of a loved one or the loss of a job or a diagnosis of a serious disease like cancer or a diagnosis of a disease where there's chronic pain. You see, these things can lead to this hard experience of depression. And wouldn't you think that it would make life hard to function and for them to feel overwhelmed and spiraling downward due to depression, not being able to do normal daily tasks that they normally and usually enjoy? Well, wouldn't you think that that would be the case? And if you fall into depressions, your thoughts often get all out of whack. Maybe you've been there. David Murray really helpfully describes this false thinking process in a variety of ways in his book. Uh, And I just want to share a few of them to you to give you an overall idea about how some depressed people think. Maybe even you yourself have experienced thinking like this. I thought that these examples were helpful from him, so here they are. He says, one of them is false extremes or an all or nothing thinking that if you make a mistake and if something you do is just not perfect, that you're just a total disaster. Or false generalizations, as Helm puts it. After experiencing one unpleasant event, we conclude that the same things will happen to us again and again. As Helm puts it, this is a pervasive reality that people in this state could actually experience. Or he goes on and says, uh, a false filter where we focus only on the negative and filter out all of the positive. Or even false transformation, changing good experiences into bad ones in our minds because of our depressed moods and thought processes. Or thinking everybody hates us. Or bad things are always going to happen to us. Or he talks about the false shoulds. Or false responsibility. Helm puts it helpfully here. He says, where we take on certain unattainable or legalistic standards or even blame ourselves even when something is not our fault. All of these thinking in times of depression can derail even the most mature Christians. Did you know that Charles Spurgeon himself, affectionately known as the Prince of Preachers, a very mature and renowned Christian In church history, we've heard of him. Did you know that even he struggled with severe depression and seasons of that in his life, throughout his life? And he needed to take care and heed his own inner soul as well. After a tragedy that happened while he was preaching, someone yelled, fire, in a crowded lecture hall, when he was preaching his sermon, and did you know, in this packed-to-the-brim place that day, seven people were
were tragically killed and kind of stampeded over. 28 were severely injured in, in what turned out to be just a big old prank because there was no real fire. Spurgeon took that to heart in a way that just crushed him for weeks. He didn't even want to get out of bed and had to have someone watching out for him as he was in such a dark place after that. Spurgeon said, hear him on this topic. The mind can descend far lower than the body, for in it there are bottomless pits. The flesh can bear only a certain number of wounds and no more. But the soul can bleed in 10,000 ways and die over and over again each hour. You hear that? The soul can bleed 10,000 ways and die over and over again each hour. What a profound thought that is from someone who suffered deeply. A thought that I want those who have never experienced or underwent some kind of deep, dark experience of depression like this, I want you to take that to heart. Just think if someone pulled over in our church parking lot after getting into a car accident and we were the closest place for help, even right now. Imagine this. Someone limping in right through the doors there of our church building, crying out for help. Their arm and leg bloodied. We'd stop everything we were doing to help that poor person. Why? Because we see how urgent it is. But you see, the person struggling internally with severe depression will never be seen like that. You look at them, and they seem fine on the outside. And if it's you, others look at you, and you seem fine to them, but you aren't. We have to consider our own inner soul health because others might not ever notice, and if we're honest with ourselves... And we need to seek help with others because being isolated with this excruciating pain is one of the worst possible things that a depressed person can experience. Well, I take that back, actually. Because the cruel, judgmental, quick fix, trite, thoughtless things that people who are not true friends to the hurting say or who are just ignorant to the problems that people actually face, you see, they'll actually do more harm than good to a hurting person. So isolation's bad, but that kind of person is is just even worse. And I understand why so many keep these terrible thoughts and feelings and experiences to themselves. Why? Because they've been hurt so many times before from people that they've confided in, family members, friends, coworkers, Children, been hurt, confiding, and then being treated carelessly. But if this is you, for your own well-being and health, I plead with you. Dear Christian friend, or even unbeliever who's here or watching online, please don't keep these terrible depressed feelings and experiences to yourself. Find a trusted friend. Be honest with your spouse if you're married. Bring your parents into it when you're feeling or experiencing these 
things if you're younger and you're here with us, for those of you who are children or teenagers or, or young adults. Because as we keep finding out, tragically, the issue of personal depression and even despair is not limited to grown adults with careers and families and mortgages but also happens to our young people with finals and sports practices and school events. Sadly, tragically, they too are suffering. So please, young or old, don't wait another day. Reach out to get help so you can better commune with God and others and face life's responsibilities after getting the help, the needed help, dealing with this very real problem of depression that you may be going through. Don't delay. This leads us to our last point, number four. Care for those suffering and depressed. Please, church, care. Care. Ephesians 4, 1 to 3 says this. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I hope you've been convinced of the weighty problem people face. If you're here with us and you have never struggled with debilitating clinical depression in these ways, I hope you're gaining in your understanding and awareness even today. And as your pastor, up to this point in my life, though I have experienced sadness and anxiety like many and and, and all people do, I have not yet experienced this kind of depression. Notice what I just said there. I said, I have not yet experienced that. Because I don't know what my future holds. And humility and and honesty, people age and change and go through so many different experiences that they may never have experienced in the past based on circumstances or things going on, whatever it may be. I know some of the most respective pastors and mature Christians and even family members who are believers who I know have gone through this kind of depression at, at some point in their lives Which, in a fallen world, wouldn't we expect for these devastating things to happen? Let's not forget what side of glory that we're on. This is no secret or something to be ashamed about. This is a reality that people face in a fallen world. So I don't know what lies ahead for me. Neither do you. But I've sought myself to read good books and articles and watch things to help and to be able to talk with others, church members and and friends and family, to be able to pray and to give counsel to those who I care about who are severely depressed, even as someone who has not personally gone through that myself. Because I want to help hurting people. I want you to be able to help hurting people too, if you haven't gone through this yourself. And if you're here and you've never talked about your deep hurt and struggle of depression with anybody else? I'm here for you. 
as your pastor, and, and Pastor Wood and I are here for you. And that's what we're here. We're shepherds of the flock. We're here. We want to know you and be there for you however we can. And I hope those of you who are going through this also have trusted family members and friends and fellow church members who can, you can talk with that may be able to encourage you and to be a true friend to you as well. I hope we have that here. I think we do. I hope we have, and I want us to have more of that here in our church. And I hope everyone who's here, whether we experience depression or not, are willing to be there for others in the long haul and show that you care as a true friend. Because hopefully you really do. Not a superficial kind of pass you by in the hall, how's it going kind of friend who doesn't really want an answer and doesn't really care, but someone who really wants to know and help hurting people. If we're going to help, we must be patient and sensitive with suffering people. So be humble, as Ephesians 4 just reminded us, and gently and patiently seek to bear burdens of our loved ones who are struggling immensely or who may be struggling. Be there. Treat them delicately because there are serious pressures and deep sadnesses that need to be met with a kind of love and kindness and understanding and care. Are you there for people like that? Is that on your radar? Ask your friends and family and fellow church members, how they're doing. And if someone's struggling in this way, ask them about what they're going through. And listen. Let them tell you what they're going through. And don't assume that all depressed people are exactly alike because they're not. But find out from your family and friends or children or spouse what exactly is going on with them. Know them. Engage them. Ask the questions and want to hear so you could be there specifically for them. And seek how you can create a custom-made care plan for them. Because each person's different. They're so different. Especially when it comes to the internal health problems and struggle that they're facing. They're different. And would you pray for them? We can't do anything on our own. We need God. Ask God for help. If you're going through this or if you're helping someone, ask Him for help. And ask Him for wisdom, as James tells us. And even lament with them over their situation, which is crying out to God. Why, oh God, am I going through this terrible thing? Rescue me. Care for me. As we'll see more as the series goes on. Because did you know that you as Christians with a biblical worldview and love and understanding, did you know that you could be even more helpful as friends and family of people struggling with depression than even the most decorated scholars of our day because they don't know and care and love your loved ones the way that you know and care. You can make a difference. And on that note, I'm just going to end with this. Though there's a lot more to be said, and thankfully we have a whole month on this theme, and we're going to get into more things going forward, but... I'm just going to end with this at this point. Slowly 
point them back to the Savior, Jesus Christ, the gospel, through the word. Because even if they're Christians going through that, they know the gospel certainly, but they need to be reminded of it again when they're in a coherent place to be able to discuss. Don't just give trite platitudes and Christian cliches, suffer with them, mourn with them, be there for them, but in time, give them the gospel. They need the gospel just as much as you, wherever you're at. Give them Jesus. They need to be reminded that Jesus suffered like them. That he sweat drops of blood and anguish and sorrow and even experienced depressed feelings at the loss of friends and loved ones and even in the face of immense physical and spiritual suffering that was ahead of him on that cross. Point him to Jesus. And then even if nobody else understands you fully, and nobody will, be able to fully grasp what you're going through. Jesus does. And his gospel is good. And he is there for you. He is really there for the downcast. Do you believe that? As Christine Chapel put it, Christ sees you and cares deeply about what you are going through. Today, you can be confident that he sees your whole person, including all the suffering and struggles and commits his faithful love and compassionate care to you still, no matter what you're going through. This is for Christians, of course, but it's also true for those of you who do not yet believe, who have not trusted the gospel of Jesus Christ, who died and was buried and rose three days later for your sin as your substitute, if you just trust him alone for salvation. The chapel, she goes on to conclude and says this. She says, perhaps you don't yet have a personal relationship with Jesus, whom the scriptures call our wonderful counselor. If not, make this life-changing decision to humbly cry out to the one who fully sees and knows you, yet still fully and completely loves you in light of that. And he's not asking you to fix yourself or to get your act together first. Rather, he's simply inviting you to come and have a seat at his table. So come to Jesus' table, whether you're struggling with depression or not, and remind each other of this great fact. Come have a seat at Jesus' table and find rest, hope, and healing there. And let's pray. Father, we are so thankful, Lord, that you open your arms up to us and you care for us no matter what we're going through. You love us and you know us better than we know ourselves. You have answers and care. Your heart is for the suffering. Would you help us all to come to you to know that you're the answer, that you're the solution? Would you help us to be there for those who are hurting as well? We love you. We desperately cry out to you. Now and into the future, Lord, help us. Help us. Be there for us. We say this in Christ's name.